Okay, so I'll uh, I'll try and be as clear as possible so that even if you don't have the actual text, I'll uh, read it and translate it and try and work out the best way to get the the text to you so you can see it um, you can see it inside. Okay, so we are looking at uh, the Rambam on uh, on Hilchotshuva. We spoke about the relationship between the the heading of the Rambam, the Koteret, and the actual text of the Rambam, whether it was the mitzvah in and of itself, it wasn't a mitzvah. And uh, and here, what we're uh, going to look at is is uh, as follows. Um, just the Rambam basically says that he opens up the he opens up the actual uh, text of the of the of the um, of the halachot as follows. Let me just see if I can get this here. Okay. All right. Hopefully you can see that now, even if you don't have it in front of you. Um, okay. So you should be able to see what I've done here. I've got to share the screen. And so this is what uh, we're looking at. So the Rambam starts off by saying as follows. If a person transgresses any of the mitzvot of the Torah with a positive command or a negative one, whether it is intentional or unintentional, when he wants to do tshuva and return, one has to confess in front of Hashem. Um, interpreting the Pasuk from Vayikra, that if a person sins, he wants to do tshuva, part of the tshuva process, a major component of it is vidu dvarim, is the actual uh, confession of, of, of words. And this vidu is there mitzvah say. Now, it's interesting that this um, that this particular phrase in the beginning, call mitzvot shebat Torah, uh, if a person transgresses any of the mitzvot of the Torah. Now, what's interesting is that um, the question that can be asked quite simply here is, what do you do with mitzvot drabanan? Why doesn't the Rambam phrase it in such a way that he includes all mitzvot that a person violates, a mitzvah in a Torah and a mitzvah in Rabbanan. Yeah, he just says, call mitzvot Shabbat Torah. So there are one or two ways uh, that I know of to deal with this particular problem. Uh, one of them is to say as follows, and that is that the Rambam feels that there's a pasuk in, uh, in Parshat Shoftim, which uh, exhorts Am Yisrael not to deviate from any of the mitzvot that the Chachomim uh, put in place. That lot is a lot In other words, it's a, an actual mitzvah that you're not allowed to violate a legislature that's come out of the Beisdin, um, essentially setting up what we call mitzvot Rabbanan. And so therefore, it's possible to suggest that Really, every every rabbinic every rabbinic command is actually 
a lot of Saimido writer as well, because even if it isn't um, a direct command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but the fact that there's an overarching command that says, you're not allowed to violate any of the mitzvot that the rabbis have put in place, so that would part that would be comments what it would be included in comments for Shabbat Torah as as well. Now this is a, an interesting um, suggestion uh, or understanding of the Rambam because uh, many Rishonim disagree with that interpretation, which means that if the Torah wanted to include all mitzvot Rabbanan in the mitzvah Doraita of Lotasur then you would have, you know, there would be no such thing as mitzvot rabbanan. And yet we know that we differentiate between mitzvot rabbanan and mitzvot doraita. It would all be subsumed under mitzvot doraita. Uh, when we have a sapek, uh, a doubt as to whether we've kept the mitzvot rabbanan or not, we go lokula, we, we lenient. When we, when we have a doubt of a mitzvot doraita, we, we machmir. So we see there are differences between them, but if they all sub, if all mitzvot rabbanan are subsumed under um, one a mitzvah called lotasur, then um, you could really question this point. You could say there's got to be a difference somewhere, and uh, you know there are interpretations. The Rashi has an interpretation where he says that um, <clears throat> from the Torah's point of view, from the Torah's point of view, there's no difference between a din doraita and din rabbanan. However, the the Rabbonim themselves wanted to force such a difference. So that person would respect the Torah uh, on, its, on its high level compared to the, the rabbis that are level underneath. And so the rabbis themselves created this concept of, a, of treating doubts within uh, whether you follow the rabbinic precept or not uh, leniently as opposed to the writer one they do strictly. And yeah, this is one interpretation of, uh, of this particular story where Maybe what the Rambam is driving at, he says, he means including rabbinic mitzvahs. Uh, whether it's a say or not, I say a person has to do vidu and confess if you want to do, you know, when you, when you do tshuva. Um, okay, that is one, that is definitely one approach. Uh, another approach, you can see the start of this approach here in the footnotes. <clears throat> in the footnotes of Yaisima Kurza, uh, if a person transgresses any of the mitzvot of the Torah. So yeah, Rabbi Tauga, who wrote the, who wrote the Sefer, says like this, the Nativot Mishpat in his Biurim, states that there's no need to repent for the inadvertent transgression of a rabbinic command. And some commentaries explain that the Rambam intended to imply this concept by using the phrase mitzvot of the Torah. So this is an interesting, let's try and uh, get into this. This is uh, out of this discussion or this suggestion comes a really interesting way of analyzing our relationship, uh, you know, to Akush Baruch So this idea that there would be a difference between the transgression of a rabbinic command versus the transgression of a Torah command uh, is, is really interesting. So let me, um, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, Let's have a look how we analyze this. So um, when you when you uh, when you try and understand or take apart um, the, the the components that exist within an avera, within a transgression, uh, you'll see you'll see the following. When the let's say we'll take an example where the Torah prohibits, let's say, eating treif. 
So when the Torah comes along and tells you that there's an Aveira called eating treif, so the actual food itself, the actual food becomes asur. In, in, uh, in Lomdisha terms, uh, what we're saying is that the actual object, there's an, there's an, there's an isur on the hefza. The word hefza is a fancy word of saying object. It's an isur hefza. The actual object itself uh, is asur. Alpi Torah's Hasidus, you could say that there are klipot in this food. It's, it's actually become, it actually houses forces of tumor, of impurity. So the actual, when, by, the, by the Torah declaring an item treif, or is an isur to eat it, the actual object itself uh, is spiritual, is spiritually poisonous. It's an, there's an isur hefza. The actual item is, is asur, meaning that the actual item has a certain amount of spiritual poisonous in there. Now, if a person ingests the food, uh, that you're ingesting spiritual poison. Uh, the Gemara basically says, machalot asurot, you know, tray food or asur food, metamtei metalei, uh, it, 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 um, it defiles the actual, the neshama of a person. Um, so it's a, you know, it's, it's like a spiritual gene disorder. So when a person eats machalot uh, asurot, which are Torah prohibited, the highest level of treif, Torah tells you this is treif. So what he's done is, is that he's, he's violated actually two components within that Aveira. One is, one is he's, he's, um, he's absorbed into his body something dangerous, it's spiritually contaminated. The actual ingestion of the ingested poison. That's because the chefza, the, the actual object, was, was asur. Asur means, Akash Baruch told you, this is spiritually poisonous. Over and above actually ingesting spiritual poison, what you've done is you've actually rebelled against Akash Baruch Hashem said, don't do it, you did it. So when, when, when you do an Aveira, when a person violates a Dindo Raita, um, you've, you've done two things wrong. The actual action itself is dangerous spiritually to you. And number two, you've rebelled against the Baruch Hashem told you not to do it. So, so that's how we understand um, a regular analysis of a, a regular Aveira. The action itself is problematic, and B, you've rebelled against God. There's always an extra activity in doing something that is Asur Mina as far as the Torah is concerned. Let, let's say that this meat, let's say that this meat is, is kosher, but there's a gzaira drabanan on it. There's a rabbinic decree that you shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't eat this meat. Um, how, how, do, how do they do this? How do, how do Chazal say that the Torah says it's kosher, Chachomim come along and say that it's now treif, you know? Um, when, when Chachomim, when the Rabbanan say it's treif, is this meat treif in the same way that the Torah said it's treif. Well, no, you, you don't say like that. You know, no one spoke about anything about the actual meat itself. You know, rather what the Rabbonim are doing is that they're instructing the human being not to eat it. So, in other words, let's just say for argument's sake, right? Uh, you've got Coke and Diet Coke. 
So you say, okay, well, Coke is 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 trafe mid or right. You know, it's mamish poison, the sugar, the everything, as yummy as it is. That's trafe mid or right. Now the diet coke, that's got no sugar in apparently. So that's not that's not really trafe. The actual item in and of itself is not really uh, a problem as far as sugar goes. However, I came along Chazal and they said, look yeah. They look the same, man. You know, if you pour, if I pour you a glass of the one and a glass of the other, and you didn't see the label, but the, the, the actual liquid itself is, looks exactly the same. So we're going to tell you not to have the Diet Coke either, Midrabanan, so that you don't come along and drink anything that looks like this. So they make a gazera on the Diet Coke so that you won't come to, 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 to drink the Coke. So the Coke is trafe midorita. It's dangerous, Midoraita. The Diet Coke is only in Islamid Rabbanan. So, so what happens here when the when the when Chazal come along and make something traif? Um, what's interesting is as follows: what the Nasibis that's quoted in the footnotes there is saying is that really the rabbis have no right or can't do anything to the Coke itself. The drink itself is to you know the diet coke itself is kosher the diet coke itself is not dangerous it's not spiritually asur the chazal can't come along and make the object that the torah thinks is kosher they can't make it trafe you know that that can't go and make it bad for you all they can do is tell you listen we want to protect you the person from not making a mistake and actually getting to the coke so anything that looks similar we're going to tell you you're not allowed to eat it so the actual item itself isn't touched by the rabbis. The rabbi Chazal can't make the actual item an isur hefza. They, they can't make it treif. All they can tell you is the person, you're not allowed to eat it, which in Lomdisha terms, again, is called an isur gavra, not isur hefza. Gavra is a person. So when the rabbis come along and say to you, look, uh, people, we're going to create a fence around a particular scenario over here. We're going to tell you, look, you can't eat this. Ah, is it is it is it is it trafe? No, it's not trafe. The actual entity itself is not a problem. Let's say an uh, example that we could probably all relate to is is wine. You know, kosher regular wine made out of grapes. Wine, good good wine. So you, we we know we've got kosher wine and trafe wine. Why is wine trafe? Non-Jewish wine. Why is it trafe? It's not trafe. The ingredients are hundred percent kosher. Chazal came along and said, look, we want to keep you away from uh, socializing. Uh, we want to keep you away from Mavodizora. We want to keep you, whatever the reason was. Chazal said in the days of old, especially, so much happens around wine. All inhibitions are dropped when you're sharing wine. We don't want you to drop the, the boundaries between Jews and non-Jews on that level, which could potentially develop into something dangerous. So we want to, we want to basically create a... a uh, a break. We want to create a kind of a uh, a non-socializing environment. So we say you can't you can't have any wine. You have to have kosher wine. Uh, we want to distance you from Avodazora. In the old days, they used to pour good wine as part of the idol worship. We don't want you to have that wine. The only kind of wine you can have is pasteurized wine, mavushal as they call it. So a regular bottle of wine that you pick up in the store, which is not Jewish. I mean, it's not it's it's not kosher. It's not not kosher like a trace piece of meat, where the Torah made it not kosher. 
that what what happened here is, is that there's an Isur Drabanan on a regular bottle of wine that's made by a non-Jewish person. And, uh, and, and the wine, you as a person are distanced from that wine via a rabbinic decree. So Chazal forced create a distance between you and the wine. So um, that Isur Drabanan says the Nasivas over here, we're understanding the Nasivas to say that 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 wine, which is only Asumid Rabbanan, the actual entity is exactly the same as kosher wine. Nothing is, there's no difference between that wine and, 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 and kosher wine. The only, only difference is that Chazal came along and made a gazera. They made a decree to distance you from the wine. The Isur is on the Gavra. The Isur, the prohibition of drinking the wine, is actually on you. It's you are not allowed, to, as a from yet, you are not allowed to um, drink that wine. That's an Isur Gavra, where the actual prohibition is really focused on your uh, your distance to the actual item. We want to create a gap between you and the item, but the actual but the actual item itself hasn't been touched. There's no trace there whatsoever. That's how the Nasivas understands the difference between. Torah trafe and rabbinic trafe. Torah trafe actually identifies spiritual poison in the item. And rabbinic trafe, whilst there is no poison in the, in the item, however, it can cause problems. It can cause you to make a mistake. It can cause you to, 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 to do something else wrong. So therefore, we want to distance you from what theoretically is kosher, but we create an isur, we create a prohibition, a rabbinic prohibition against you, the person coming close to that wine, even though that wine is not, as far as the, the Torah is concerned, a real problem. And so this, this really makes a lot of sense if you think about it. We have a pasuk, Hashem to Hashem does the entire existence of the physical world, you know, Hashem whatever's in the world, Everything belongs to Kosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, Hashem can say, this food is treif and this isn't. But Chazal can't do that. They can't just tell me what to do or not to do. Uh, you know, they, they can. They can tell me what I'm allowed to do, what not, not to do. That creates a, a, a lot tasur. But, but they, can't, they, can't re, they can't reinvent the item. They can't reinvent the item. So now, let's, let's, let's go back now. If a person ate treif midrabanan, you know, so what did you do wrong? So we asked the question, when you eat doraita treif, we said, if a person drinks that, if a person eats that treif piece of meat, you've ingested spiritual poison, A, and B, you rebelled against Hashem. That's what you've done wrong when you eat doraita treif, Torah treif. But if you eat treif midrabanan, what did you do wrong? Well, what you did wrong was that you violated Lotasur. Lotasur is a Torah command, you know, to listen to the rabbis, and you violated that. But but so you rebelled against you rebelled against Chazal. What about the fact that you ingested trafer food? No, that's not true. That doesn't make a difference because the, the food is actually fine. Midrabanan only it's a problem. So it's not traif in and of itself. It's just prohibited to you. So you see that when you violate a din, a rabbinic injunction against something, 
you you rebel against you rebel against the by rebelling against the rabbis, but you don't ingest spiritual poison. As opposed to the when you violate Torah trait, you you violate you ingest spiritual poison and you rebel against God. Okay, so now. Let's understand and appreciate where the Nasivas is going with these big Hiddush over here. So, you know, if a person comes along, again, if a person comes along and he says and violates uh, a Torah law, he, he ingests, you know, he eats spiritual, he eats um, trafe meat. He eats trafe meat. We said you violate both the actual situation of putting yourself in spiritual danger you ingest spiritual poison and you rebel against God. When you when you eat that trafe piece of meat, Torah, it's trafe, but you didn't know about it. You didn't know that it was trafe. You thought it was kosher. It said kosher on it. So you made a mistake. You 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 violated a Torah law intentionally, uh, unintentionally, by mistake. You did it by mistake. So when when you when you do something by mistake, again. Let's ask ourselves what you've done wrong. Have you ingested the spiritual poison? Yes, can't help that. The meat's trafe. You, 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 you knew about it, you didn't know about it. Can't do anything about that. You ate trafe. There's nothing you can do. The fact that you didn't do it intentionally, well, that, that helps you with rebellion against God. If you do something unintentionally, that's, there's no rebellion there. There's no rebellion there. There, it's a mistake. So, if you via, if you eat trace meat intentionally, you ingest spiritual poison and you rebel against God. If you eat a trafe, proper trafe, Torah trafe meat in, unintentionally, you've ingested the spiritual poison. Over that, you have to do tshuva. But did you rebel against the Baruch Hu? No, you didn't do that. You didn't rebel. So you only have to do tshuva for one component of the Aveira. Now, if you violate an Isu Drabanan intentionally, you can't handle the rabbis getting on your nerves with these extra laws. You want that one. You want to socialize. Ah, the rabbis want to say you shouldn't do it. You do it. So if you violate the, the rabbinic law intentionally, well, then you have to do tshuva because you rebelled against uh, the God by rebelling against the rabbis. Um, but you didn't ingest spiritual poison because the wine is actually not trafe. But what happens now if you do an isu drabanan b'shogay? If you violate a rabbinic principle unintentionally by mistake. So, so now, you know, did you ingest spiritual poison? No, because it was rabbinic in the first place. Did you rebel against the rabbis? Did you rebel against God? No, because it was unintentional. So if you didn't ingest spiritual poison because it's only rabbinically prohibited, now Torah it's kosher. And so you didn't you didn't ingest spiritual poison and you didn't rebel against the rabbis or God, because you did it unintentionally. So what did you do wrong? What do you have to do tshuva for? Says the Nasibas, you don't have to do tshuva at all. A person who violates Din Rabbanan unintentionally does not have to do tshuva. And, and this is exactly what, this is exactly now what, you can see the notes here again, and this is really what is actually meant by this note over here, using the Chirush of the Nasibas, how to explain the Rambam. So we asked on the Rambam, the Rambam said, call mitzvot shebat Torah, any mitzvah that is in the Torah. So we asked, what do you mean? What about all the rabbinic mitzvahs? So our first attempt was to answer and say, 
Well, rabbinic mitzvahs is part of mitzvot Shabbat Torah because of Lord Tassur. But that is not necessarily accepted by all because you want to, you want to distinguish between mitzvot Rabbanan and mitzvot Doraita. So we then come to the Chidush of the Nesivus over here. What did Nativot Mishpat in the Burium say? He said that he taught us the following. If you violate a Torah Veira, you know, so you encounter a, spirit, a spiritual damage because of what you did, and you have to do tshuva for that. And number two, you rebelled against God because you did it intentionally. So yeah, it says like this. Any mitzvah in the Torah, whether it's positive or negative, and if you violated any of the mitzvahs, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you have to do tshuva. That phrase, whether it's intentional or unintentional, is only true, according to the Nesivas, it's only true if you do a Torah law. Because if you do a Torah law, Bain Bezadon on purpose, then you again, you have to do tshuva for two components. The actual ingestion of spiritual poison and the rebellion against God. If you do it by mistake, well, then you didn't rebel against God because it was by mistake, but you still ingested the actual poison, which is unhealthy for you. It's still going to have a, a, an impact, a spiritual impact upon you because it's strife. Hashem said, no, ah, you didn't know. So, okay, you, you didn't rebel against God. That component is taken care of. But you still ingested spiritual poison. So you have to do tshuva for a mitzvah, which is a Torah mitzvah, whether it's on purpose or unintentional. But if you, if you say, what about a rabbinic mitzvah? Well, we understand if you violate a rabbinic mitzvah, bizadon, intentionally, then you have to do tshuva because you rebelled against the Akosh Baruch Hu by rebelling against the rabbis. But if you violate an Isud Rabbanan by mistake, well, there's no spiritual poison because the item was kosher in the first place. The only reason you went out to ingest it was because it would look too similar to the other one or for whatever other reason the rabbis thought appropriate. So when you made a so the, the actual item was never ever trafe, so there's no spiritual damage. When you did it, Bishkaga, by mistake, you never rebelled against the, the rabbis, and ipso facto, you never rebelled against the Kosh Baruch Hu. So a rabbinic law violated unintentionally, there's no rebellion, and there's no ingestion of spiritual poison. So what do you, so what tshuva do you have to do? There's no, you did nothing wrong? And therefore, that's why the Rambam never included it, because the Rambam wanted to include Bain Bizadon, Bain Bishgaga. You're doing Avera, whether it was on purpose or unintentional. But you can't have rabbinic laws. It, it can't, it, the rabbinic law doesn't work by Bishkaga. If you violate the rabbinic law by mistake, you don't have to do tshuva. You didn't rebel. You didn't have spiritual poison. And that's how we understand. This is what it means over here in this footnote that according to the Nativot Mishpat, there's no need to repent for inadvertent transgression of a rabbinic command. And some commentaries of Soloveitchik was uh, very fond of this. This is how he explained what I'm telling you. This is how he explained that. The, the Rambam, that the Rambam intended this concept by using the phrase Kol Mitzvot Shabbat Torah. That's what, uh, that's what, that's what he understood, how, how to apply the Chirush of the, the Tivot Mishpat to the actual phrase, you know, in the, in the Rambam, in the Rambam itself. Okay, so that really is a Chirush within reading the actual text of, uh, of how the Rambam opens the, the Hilchot Shuvah. If a person should, a person needs to understand through this Rambam now, we're forced to understand um, what really it is to violate Averot in front of a Baruch Hu. We have to realize that when we do something that's, that's really 
wrong. And we do it intentionally. Doing an Aveira intentionally brings with it a, a, an aspect um, of a uh, breakdown of the relationship between us and Hashem because we, we rebelled against Hashem. We rebelled against Hashem by violating a mitzvah because we didn't. When you do something intentionally, it's so much sharper. It's so much more of a uh, of a violation because we have actually rebelled against the Baruch It's not even so much the actual um, the actual mindsets and the actual action might not be as damaging as uh, as you think it is. But sometimes what's more damaging is that. You rebelled against uh, you rebelled against the Baruch So this is something that when you do tshuva, you you need to have in mind, and that is that there's a kind of a there's an implied concept of here which is very powerful, and that is that the process of tshuva, proper tshuva, needs to take into cognizance needs to take into account this point. We're trying to actually we're trying to actually restore a relationship with the Baruch We rebelled. We rebelled. And that rebellion can sometimes be so much more dangerous and have so much more implications than the actual, you know, act itself. So many times you find this even within our own personal, interpersonal relationships, where you can say something to somebody, where the actual, the actual statement itself, okay, it might be wrong what you said or what you did, but sometimes the insult is greatest, the fact that you rebelled. It's not that you, you caused damage or didn't cause damage, that you rebelled. And therefore, you put the whole relationship in jeopardy because you don't respect, don't, didn't respect the relationship. It's not, it's, not some, it's not only what the damage is. The damage possibly you could, get, you could get away with. But it's the relationship we're trying to work with. And that's a key part of tshuva. A key part here is to realize that, you know, a component, a chief component of any Aveira is the rebellion against the Kosh Baruch and then at the same time, there's, of course, the spiritual damage that a, that a person has to, has to be aware of. So we're trying, to re, we're trying to repair that within the world of tshuva, within the exercise of vidui. We're trying to repair that. So when you say, for example, you know, all the al-chaits, so there you, you need to have in mind, you know, that the, it's not just the damage and what I did was wrong. Of course, it was wrong. But the rebellion against Akosh Baruch Hu has a unique impact uh, too. And this is really what we now look to as we move through to understand and appreciate the actual nature of confession. Kaitzad mitvadin. How does a person? How does a person confess? So says the Rambam. You learn this nusach of my heart, so you can put it into your regular shmona esrei whenever you feel that you need to. You know, Ana Hashem. You know, we'll get to what this phrase Ana Hashem means um, and how one actually says it. But please, Hashem, listen to me here. And that is Khatati, I've sinned, but I've sinned. Khatati implies I've sinned by mistake. That's like Bishkaga. Khatati, I sinned by mistake. Um, and 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 it, and it's some and it's generally also refers to to a sin that um, that brings with it a recognition that uh, you weren't able to control yourself. There's a, there's a biological drive that's pushing you. 
aviti and pashati, these are, you know, expressions of sin that a person does um, on purpose. Uh, and therefore they have they have a certain kind of an added an added area of damage that one has to deal with. So one is that you couldn't control your khatati. You made a mistake. Aviti did it on purpose. You know, Pashati, I was actually, I couldn't, I couldn't control my, my biological drives. And that, and that and that sort of like put me in a in a difficult position. So you say khatati aviti pashati and then you have to name the Aveira. You have to say. I did X, Y, and Z. You're forced to actually confront it by labeling it. What, what did you do? What did you do? Uh, and this is part of the major exercise that um, one needs to work with on, especially on Yom Kippur. Um, I was taught, I was taught this idea when I was when I was really young, um, just in high school, by mitzvah age, just before even. I remember, you know, one of my rabbis teaching me this. Um, his name was Rabbi uh, Henry Emanuel, uh, Moshe Shlomo Emanuel. Anyway, I was very, very fond of him. Um, and, um, you know, he, I remember him taking, taking us through this exercise. And he said, you know, you, you have to learn to actually verbalize in detail what you did wrong. That's part of the video. And so he pointed out a practice which uh, he's brought down in the, in the Rishonim already. And that is to Take it, you know, go through your life if you can and um, get the Hebrew word for the Avera that you might have done and then insert it into the actual video. So, so let's say, so this is what we, we did this exercise in class as young kids. We, you know, before Yom Kippur, as part of the Chuba process, you would take, you would say, okay, Ashamnu, when you, when you clap Ashamnu, it's an Aleph. Includes all the Averas starting with an Aleph. So then when a person would do a tshuva over the, all of the Hashamnas that you do on Yom Kippur with the Slichas or whatever, you would take an opportunity to write in your Machzor. You write a list. And you go, okay, under Aleph, I put Hashamnu Achalti Mina Isur. I ate something that wasn't kosher, that I wasn't allowed to eat. And, or you can say, Achalti Achalti Davash Sheino Bari. That's not healthy. Now, I ate, uh, I ate with no manners, or I ate something that was ridiculous. I stuffed myself. So all the different aspects of Achila, you know, you can you can add in there. You can add into the actual, um, you know, the, the actual Aleph of, of Ashamnu. It's a, it's a, anyway, I found this the most vital exercise. In other words, I, uh, I just found it very, very powerful. And, um, I'm trying to see if I have it in a machzor yet. I'm trying to see which machzor I have yet. If I wrote it all out, um, but I just I just found that a, a an in, you know a, such a such an invaluable um, exercise to do that whenever I would do this, you know, especially in the on Yom Kippur, you've got so many opportunities to do it, and you aren't that you aren't that rushed. So um, you know, it becomes a, a vital exercise. One needs one really what needs to do that. So even here, I've got in my Slichas book, I was just going to see what I wrote in here. Um, but um, yeah, so I just have the, the ones that, that are quite difficult. But anyway, the so for example, so bet you'd go Bagadnu, or you know, or you know, going back to the Aleph, you go, um, 
I spoke too much, but I sit him out and I didn't do I didn't do anything on what I spoke, you know. Um, because the Pirkavot says the opposite, you know. a good person, speaks little, but do a lot. Anyway, you say the opposite. I, I you know, I didn't behave like that. So you go through all the different Avedas that that are brought at the end of the different machzorium, etc. And, you know, and then you you put it into the Hashemus under each letter, and that way you fulfill this 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 um, exercise of chatati avidi pesadi levanecha vasidi kach vekach. I started this comes to bed, you know, you know, bitalti milimudat Torah. You know, I just wasted time and I didn't learn. Beirachti brachot sheinan tzichot. I I made brachot which were unnecessary, you know, uh, you know, gimel, you know, ganafti data briot. I basically, uh, you know, I misled people. You know, uh, if a person stole, it's like ganafti mamon. If a person, uh, you know, woke somebody up, uh, you know, and uh, and and you know, they didn't weren't sensitive to some the fact that somebody was sleeping, ganafti shayna. You know, so you have every opportunity to do it. You know, so dalad dibarti divrei loshnora divrei rechilut. If you swear, if you swear, so you got all these different aspects of one's life. If one really spends time on actually filtering it through a, a prism where you can actually identify all these problems, you know, this is, uh, you know, it comes, hey, hit palalti below kavana, just davened my head was elsewhere, you know, hit palalti chutzlis man, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't sensitive to the alachic times. And when we could, it palalti be chidut. I didn't daven in a minion. I davened on my own. You know, so this is how this is how each letter of the alphabet can just uh, allow you to break down everything that you do. You know, Zion. You know, zilzalti bekibud horim. I didn't do what I should have done for my parents. I violated the mitzvah of kibud avahem. And so this is really the exercise which uh, I, I personally couldn't. Uh, be thankful enough for this Rav, uh, Rabbi Emanuel, who taught me this concept. And uh, and as a result of this, you know, uh, each year you go through bits and pieces before Yom Kippur and you write it in your machzor so you can come back to it. This is what you did. It's mamish part of the actual uh, vidui. So the first thing is, is that you recognize that you sin. Recognition of, of chayt, hakarata chayt. And then, varei nichamti uvoshti and you are you regret what you've done, and you are embarrassed by what you did. Um, and the third component of vidui is ulolam You have what that's what's called as kabbalah laatid. You have an actual resolve that you won't do it again. Uh, for me personally, the way I remember all, all of these components, and uh, you know, over Yom Kippur, all the the slichas, etc., you just Rehash them in your life all the time. Proper tshuva. I just do three R's. You know, there's recognition of sin, recognition, regret, resolve. Those are those are the um, those are the three components of proper vidui. And so that's what uh, a person needs to contemplate when um, when one doing when one doing actual actual vidui. And the Rambam then continues. And that's exactly what you're doing. This exercise is just brilliant. 
of uh, you know, if 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 you want, I can uh, I can send you, you can you know send you possibly a list of what I've got, yeah. But you can make your own for sure. Um, but this is the idea. If you if a person spends time going through this exercise, every time you do a video, you know whether it's quietly or it's uh, you know together with a tibur, you know over the day of Yom Kippur and over the time of Slichot, you can get through a lot. To do it all in one shot, every single video, you know, is, is possible too. You might get left behind by the by the chazan. No, in, in, in this this year, no chazan's going to get on your nerves, unfortunately, and no one's going to get in your way. So you have an opportunity, you know, to do this. At least make notes of this issue that you're davening on your own, unfortunately, like we all are. Um, maybe things will change, but... Uh, if we aren't, this is an important exercise. Um, you know, the Rambam tells us that even a person who brings korbanot for unintentional averot, you know, the korban won't uh, achieve kapora unless they do tshuva and unless they do vidui. As the Pasuk says, and the same thing if a person uh, is, you know, suffers any of the other corporal or cap capital punishments that uh, in the times of the Beisdi, in the times of the Sanhedrin, you, 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 a person, you know, God forbid, would have been um, subject to. You know, it won't, it won't help the Malchus or the, or the death. Until a person actually, um, you know, does tshuva. Uh, yeah, and, you know, a person who, who owes his friend money, whether it's as a result of, you know, injuring them, you know, or defrauding them, even though, even if you, uh, you know, you repay, you got to do vidui. You don't get kapora until you, unless you actually go through this exercise properly. Now, it is interesting, try and see if I can share it with you. Um, Okay, so just quickly, the yeah, this is here. Um, so the order that that we've been exposed to over here is is hakarata is recognition of the sin, um, regret. It's, is in, I'll just quickly add a quick uh, this word nichamti. You know, um, there, there are two different girsaot, there are two different texts that uh, that are suggested here. Um, Nichamti is regret. When Akosh Baruch Hu uh, tells Moshe Rabbeinu after the Chayta Hegel, you know, Vayinachayim Hashem, you know, Akosh Baruch Hu regretted, if you can use such a word. Um, but there's another, there's another girsu which says Nichlamti, with a chaf, not a chet. Nichlamti means, you know, that that it's a kind of busha. You know, it's a, it's a type of I'm 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 embarrassed. You know, um, it's so I guess Nichamti, because you got Boshti, maybe it makes you know more sense in a way. But anyway, it's just a different girsa. But yeah, the so the, the the order of proper vidui is really um recognition, regret, and resolve for the future. Now, I don't I can't see I didn't photocopy, maybe I'll have it somewhere else. I'll just um just make a point here. Um No, I don't have it. Um, I'll just make a point here that um, 
the Rambam, the Rambam has in in Perek Bet of uh, of the Mishnah Torah of this of these of these Hilchot Tshuva. So the Rambam here has um, a different statement. I mean, like, it's actually quite interesting to realize how the Rambam sort of changes the order. And um, I'll just mention it to you, where the Rambam says in Perek Bet of Hilchot Tshuva. Again, he discusses Umayi Atshuva, and then he says, A person should leave his sin, a person should resolve not to do it again. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that, you know, first and foremost over here, the Rambam says in Perek Bet, he says, the first thing is not regret, the first thing is, Person should stop singing, sinning. And then number two is Kabbalah that you take it on not to do it, you know, not to do it again. And then Avar, you know, to 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 have regret for it. So this is an interesting uh, flip in the order. It's a little different from uh, the video Imperic Aleph. Um, anyway, I remember that uh, when I was in Shur with Rav Tavori in, in the Gush. He wasn't sure how to answer this Rambam, but um, I found in my, uh, you know, in a, in a, I have a cipher here in my library from uh, Rav Aaron Soloveitchik, uh, a parish on, on the Rambam cipher Mada, so where Hilchot can be found. You know, so I was looking in the, I was looking in his in his Chidushim today, and I saw that he asked the same question, and um, he asked the question, and uh, he tries to answer it. And he says something interesting. He says, yashev, he says, uh, it appears to me to answer this flip in the order of how the Rambam is presented Vidu in, in Perik Aleph and Vidu in Perik Bet. There are two, there are two approaches, there are two elements that that propel us forward. Uh, what we call in Lachic terminology, Mikhaev, that you know, that two initiators. Of of vidui, um, and one is as follows: the one motivation of the vidui is kapara al to achieve atonement for the actual act itself, and number two is hafkaat hashem rasha, is to is to smooth over, is to uproot the um, the label that you've uh, that you've now you know uh, standing under, and that is. A wicked person, Rasha. You want to dilute, you want to dissolve, you want to wipe clean. is to uproot and throw it away. Uh, the the name of the Rasha. So it's interesting that these are the two motivating forces or motivations of Vidui to achieve kapora for the Maisa that was done and to to um and to and to to wipe out. Um, the name Russia. So in the first paragraph of the Rambam, he says, Ravaran Solovaisik suggests that he says that he's describing the Seder Avidui based on the fact that the person wants to achieve penance. He wants to achieve atonement for the Avera that he did. And as far as achieving Kapara, the Ikar is the Kharata the, Avar, the, is the regret for what you did in the past. Um, and the Kabbalah and the resolve 
is because um, if you don't resolve to do different in the future, then it's as if you've done nothing. So it's like you jump into the mikveh with a, you know, with a holding a sheretz in your hand, holding a, a bug in your hand. But in the second peric of the Rambam, yeah, he's explaining the ikareya tshuva, the fundamental principles of tshuva, mitzat hafka'at Hashem rasha shel gavra, where a person is not just trying to get kapora for the, the damage he did, like we spoke out, you know, the actual ingesting of spiritual poison, the damage. But yeah, you actually want to remove, remove the label of a rasha from your personality. And as far as that component, when you want to, you know, cease being called a rebel against God, there the focus in all of these three areas is actually to stop sinning. And the, and the regret in the past, um, you know, will, will only, well, it gets, it's an impediment. Um, anyway, so that's how he interprets uh, how the Rambam talks to us about Vidui. In Perak Aleph, there's order that says, number one, regret, num- you know, no, recognition of hate, then regret of hate, and then resolve for the future. And in Perak Bet, he mentions it in a, in a, in a different order. First, you know, you resolve, first you don't do it again. You stop doing Aveira. Then there's resolve for the future. And number three, there's the regret. And Avaran Sorovacic attempts to suggest that the Rambam is talking about two different people or two different scenarios, two different situations where a person is trying to reach Akosh Baruch Hu from two different angles. Perak Aleph, you're trying to neutralize the damage of uh, the actual Maise Aveira. You know, you want to get kapara on the actual Aveira itself. And in the second period, the second order, it's where the focus is to remove the stigma that you've picked up as a as a Russia, as an, a Bala Aveira. And therefore, as a result of those two different focuses, the, the order of the Vidui or the order of the Chuva will be uh, will be slightly different, different as well. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave everybody at this point. And um We'll pick up, uh, please God, where are we up to next Tuesday? Is that next Tuesday will probably be our last year. We'll still be before Rosh Hashanah. So at least before Rosh Hashanah, we'll get something and we'll see if we can do something before Yom Kippur. Um, but okay, so that is, we might have started at least in the text of uh, of the Hilchotu of the Rambam and uh, we'll, we'll proceed, you know, little by little. All right, thanks very much. Nice to see you all. Uh, have a great week. Um, one o'clock tomorrow, if you want to join us for Shofar and a bit of a vote on Masechet Stuka. And if you're interested in joining a Gemara Shir, uh, tomorrow night, quarter past eight. Okay, later out. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thank you.